I got a call from Gus Dudgeon, and he said, look, Reg has got a session coming up, and uh, we've been looking for a guitar player to play this part, this specific part, on a song called Mad Men Across the Water. Mm. And they tried two or three other players, and it hadn't worked out. And I, get, I just found this out recently, it was Elton told me, uh, that a guitar player called Michael Chapman, who's a great acoustic guitar player, and he's yeah. still playing on the folk scene in Britain now. He had recommended me for the part. How amazing. He said, you know, you want Davey for this part. Welcome to episode 17 of the, I guess that's why they call it, the Elton John podcast podcast. This is part two of the early years of Davey Johnson after his folk roots. We move on today through the new roots that he took during 71, 72 and 73. Once again, I'd like to thank everyone at the sessions for letting me make use of their interview with Davey. We heard him there at the beginning of the show mentioning folk musician Michael Chapman as being Elton's first choice as guitarist. Michael Chapman popped up in episode two where I highlighted the work that Paul Buckmaster did on his second album on Harvest, 1970's fully qualified Survivor. By that time, Gus had already produced Chapman's debut album, Rainmaker, which was something that Elton would certainly have heard and admired in July 1969, long before hearing Gus's work with David Bowie. the lead track from Raymaker, Chapman confirms Davy's story, said in an interview, Elton wanted me to join his band, but never asked me directly. Instead, Gus said, know any good guitarists who play acoustic and electric? Years later, I realised they were talking about me. Would Chapman have stuck it out? Not sure, he said. All I know is Davy Johnson owes me a $2 million house in California. It was Chapman who played acoustic on the eight and a half minute version of Madman, which came out on Rare Masters. He says, I went down to do some recording with Elton and I took Mick Ronson with me as well. And we recorded the first version of Madman Across the Water, which Elton took to the record company, to Dick James, who went nuts and said, do it again. It sounds like you're singing with his band. Because me and Mick kind of took over. Chapman has also said that he didn't particularly enjoy the experience and he couldn't be persuaded to return. 
And so, on Monday the 9th of August 1971, Davey arrived for his first Elton John session. They were tackling three songs that day. He didn't feature on Razorface, but he did play acoustic guitar on Tiny Dancer and mandolin and sitar on Holiday Inn. In his interview with the sessions, Davey has a vivid memory of that session. I went in there and there's all these heavyweight, you know, Herbie Flowers on bass and Ray Cooper on percussion and Terry Cox on drums and like great, great players. And I was like, oh my God, Paul Buckmaster doing all the string arrangements. So again, charts everywhere, you know, and I'm going, oh, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> and I thought, one of the things that I, that I thought immediately was, well, I can do this. I was asked to, to bring a banjo and I brought a banjo and I brought a mandolin, acoustic guitar and the sitar. And I ended up using the mandolin and the sitar on Holiday Inn and uh, that was it. The reason it came about was, okay, there's a solo section. And I said, well, maybe the sitar would sound good on it. And it, and it was like, all right, try that. Gus knew what I was like, so he was like, yeah, let him try it, it'd be fun. So I did a solo on it and we double tracked it. And then Paul Buckmaster wrote some more strings around it that are really cool and very Indian sounding around what I played. Um, so it really made sense, you know, very, very cool. As well as suggesting the sitar in the solo, it was Davey that suggested that the song start abruptly with no introduction. His talent for organising a song had undoubtedly caught Elton's eye by this point. Davey was back in the studio on Saturday the 14th of August where he recorded acoustic guitar on Rotten Peaches and then the definitive version of Man Man Across the Water, both of these with electric guitar from Chris Spedding.
I bet there's a Caleb version of Madman out there somewhere. Davy's touch on the acoustic guitar, creating those harmonics, is wonderfully delicate. Gus's contribution was to apply some reverse reverb to Davy's guitar. It creates an unearthly sound out of what should be a very human instrument, the acoustic guitar. It's most disconcerting. The sessions went well for Davy, as he recalled in his interview with the sessions. The following day I got a call from his management saying, Elton would like to know if he'd like to join his, his touring band. And he wants to do more of a rock thing, just uh, make a quartet. So it became Elton, Nigel Olsen uh, on drums, Dee Murray on bass, and me on guitar and everything else. Davey, with his young family weighing on his mind, agreed on a condition. That was the first thing that I, that I said to Elton's management when I, you know, I said, well, I need a house. You know, and those days I was living in an apartment like everybody else yeah, was, yeah, and, yeah. and it was like, well, I have to have a house. And okay, we can probably work that into the deal. Davy's first gig wouldn't come for a little while. Elton, Dee, and Nigel were off on tour for the rest of 1971 in Japan and Australia and New Zealand, followed by a grinding tour of England. Davy could spend a bit of time at home with his first son, Tam, the first of seven children that he'd go on to have. He joined the rest of the band in January of 1972 at the Chateau for the recording of Honky Chateau. Since the music was all written there, there wasn't much he could do to prepare. He took a load of gear out with him, the banjo, the mandolin, the steel guitar, acoustic and electric guitars, along with a few pedals. Honky Chateau rings with Davy's folk heritage. It's a testament to how he wanted to take the music forward into a more electric setting. Honky Chateau has got Davy all over it. It's his album. Here's his banjo in Honky Cat. In Mellow, part of the texture comes from Davy's wild guitar. some acoustic arpeggios and some chiming acoustic guitar in I Think I'm Going to Kill Myself. What about some wonderful volume pedal work in Susie? Also his magnificent solo in that song, half Caleb, half George Harrison.
Rocket Man is all Davy with his beautiful 12 string guitar punctuating the chorus and with slide guitar atmospheric swooping in and out. about a double tracked slide solo in Salvation followed by some lovely twangy guitar. Slave is basically Davy's song. Steel guitar, slide parts, some twangy electric, and then to top it all off, banjo. Amy is playing some squeezed out little Caleb type parts mixed quite low to make room for John Luke Ponty. He can be heard in the carved out rhythmic part towards the end, which he probably wrote. Of course, Davy got his mandolin out for the second verse of Mona Lisa's and Mad Hatter's. Finally, in Hercules, there's some prominent acoustic throughout until two slide electric guitars come in towards the end. this without mentioning Davy's backing vocals and his role in arranging them. By the end of January, 
Davey had proven himself to be a vital part of the new style, unorchestrated, spontaneous Elton John recording setup. By the 5th of February, he had to do it on stage. His first gig was the orchestral show at the Royal Festival Hall on that day. Mostly what survives of that show is the orchestral half with Davey just contributing backing vocals. But he would also have played a range of instruments during the first half of the show when all of Honky Chateau except for Slave was debuted. One song from this band half of the show survives, Mona Lisa's and Mad Hatter's. Always got, it's got a lot of songs to sing. If I knew the tunes, I might join in. I go my way alone. I grow my own, my own seeds shall be sown in New York City. It's always no way. For a good man to go down Rich man can ride And the hobo he can drown And I thank the Lord For the people I have found I thank the Lord for the people I have found While Mona Lisa They can't and that is why No, not if it's dark outside or night In 1974, Elton said, I think if we hadn't gotten Davey, the band would have broken up. With no lead guitar, I was having to play the same things and we'd gone as far as we could go. The new setup wasn't without its teething problems though. Stuart Epps is quoted as suggesting that Davy's playing was getting in the way at first. Davy wasn't really an electric guitar player, he said, and he didn't even own an electric guitar. I remember not being too impressed with Davy and the band to start with. He hadn't really got his sound together at that point. I don't think Dee and Nigel were very happy either, as they were very content with the lineup the way it was. Of course, Davey did have an electric, probably several by this stage, and he was already a mean player, as his work on Honky Chateau can attest to. However, this does show that he still had a lot of work to do to carve out a space for his sound in the bedrock of the band. Davey knew that he was stretching himself away from his folk roots and into the world of rock. Here he is talking about being at the crossroads. This is from a short interview that he did for his Facebook page. He must have liked that uh, attitude that I had of getting involved and, and suggesting ideas and because, you know, then I got the call to join the band and that was kind of like, whoa, what should I do? Should I remain kind of a big fish in a small pond or should I take the leap into rock and roll world, which terrified me? And I thought, I better do it. If, I, if I'm going to do it, I'll never get a better chance. This has got to be it. He had plenty of opportunity to get stuck in. As the tour started in earnest straight away, there were 17 gigs. 
in the UK and in Germany in February and March, followed by an American tour in April and May, composed of 19 gigs. Typical set lists had Susie, Mona Lisa's Rocketman and Honky Cat from the new album. There was Levon, Tiny Dancer, Holiday Inn and the title track of Mammon Across the Water, as well as Rock Me When He's Gone, plus your song, Border Song, Country Comfort, Can I Put You On, finishing with Take Me to the Pilot. There are some rough recordings from this era, for example, from Frankfurt and Indiana, where you can hear Davies' new parts. Not all of these parts would stand the test of time, while guitar on the long solo section of Mammon Across the Water being a prime example. May and the band had a short break. May also saw the release of the second Long John Baudry album to be recorded by Elton and Rod Stewart. Instead of Hookfoot, Elton had brought in Davey, Nigel and Ray Cooper this time along with Klaus Vorman on bass, apparently at the suggestion of John Lennon. The record was recorded in late January and February, squeezed around Elton's UK tour dates at IBC Studios London. Davey is prominent on the Elton half of the album, having loads of fun on the banjo for the single Ico Ico, and getting all of his instruments out for a song that he co-wrote with LJB, Wild Mountain Time. I will build my love a power By young crystal fountain And on it I will pass All the flowers of the mountain Will you go, Placido? And we'll all go together To Poland session work continued. At some point in the first half of the year, Davey found the time to go into the studio with Cozy Powell, John Paul Jones, Danny Thompson, Big Jim Sullivan and others to record the album Clotho's Web by American folk royalty in exile, Julie Felix. The lead 
track probably features Davey on mandolin and it's too amazing not to highlight here. Gods that rule the sky You can't reverse The order of the universe I will love you till I die Said the seagull to the sky I will love you till I go Said the wind to the snow Said the lady to the man And Clotho slowly weaves her web Hearing every word that said Her patterns form with colored thread Using amethyst instead of yellow When the day is right She summons another type of blue reconvened at the Chateau to record Don't Shoot Me, I'm Only the Piano Player. Elton was at a low ebb by this time and the sessions were almost cancelled. Three songs were carried over from the sessions in January, according to Claude Bernardine. That's I'm Gonna Be a Teenage Idol, Midnight Creeper and Elderberry Wine. It was the same basic setup as before, although the local brass section played a heavier role on this album. They were evident on three songs here as opposed to just one on Honky Chateau. Paul Buckmaster's strings had reappeared on two songs. There was a little bit less room for the band members to stretch out and probably as a result, Davey resorted to a little bit more straightforward electrical bombast. Midnight Creeper has got a fluid solo, but for me, the highlight is the jerky, nervous, guitar all over the verses. got his electric out again in Crocodile Rock here in total isolation with all of his 50s rock and roll influences on display.
A major highlight, a career highlight perhaps, is his double-tracked solo in Have Mercy on the Criminal. of all this the banjo makes a return on Daniel very subtly playing along during the solo there's also prominent mandolin joining the acoustic guitar and Elton's harmonium in Texan love song For the second time with Elton, Davies' sitar makes an appearance along with acoustic and electric in Blues for My Baby and Me. It wasn't just the Don't Shoot Me album that came into being during these sessions. Uh, a new record label has just started operations, the launch of which I've been looking forward to very, very much indeed. And one of the gentlemen involved in the running of the label is with us tonight, so may I welcome Alton John. <laughs> How long has it taken you in preparation to get the label ready, Alton? Uh, well, we first thought of it last June when we were making Don't Shoot Me, I'm Only the Piano Player in France. And we. David Johnson, my guitarist, wanted to sort of make a solo album and we sort of tried to get him a good deal everywhere with uh, other record companies and they really didn't offer a really even an adequate deal for a new artist. So we got very drunk because the Chateau makes its own wine and, uh, <laughs> and uh, we decided, well, why don't we start our own label? And everybody sort of sat around going, yeah. And then the next morning everyone turned to each other and said, well, well are we serious? And there was Gus Dutch and Bernie Torwin. John Reed, Steve Brown and myself, and we said, yeah, why not? And it's really taken us from then to get even the uh, a big word, administrative side sorted out. Mm. And like you have to do distribution deals with America and England and Europe, and you have to see everybody to decide who's going to give you the best deal. And we haven't even touched on Japan or Australia. It's very, you know, it takes a long time to set even half the world up. That interview comes from the end of February 1973. Davies' album had already been started in mid-1972, probably in or around the session he did for Joan Armour Trading's debut album, Whatever's For Us, which was produced by Gus Dudgeon at the Chateau. 
visionary mountains above and afar like answers to questions on life love and the longing to survive truth or distorted the words I create Today the party Tonight Tonight At the peak of your Visionary mountains That's Joan's song, Visionary Mountains, obviously with Davy on sitar. To return the favour... One song on Davy's debut album, Smiling Face, features Joan on electric piano alongside Dee and Davy, our dear friend. Davy's own version of his song The Boatman made it onto the album as well, the third version to be released of this song. There's also a cover of After the Dance by Bert Yanch and John Renborn. BJ Cole's here featuring on You Are, I Am, which is a country-flavoured pop song. Ray Cooper crops up, he's on the title track, which is a really charming song written for Davy's son. The song A Lovely Day which was co-written and sung by Davy's wife, Di, turned up in Willie Russell's TV play Daughters of Albion in 1977, which is a nice squaring of the circle. Elton features on Keep Right On, playing harmonium alongside Dee and Nigel, with strings that were arranged by Del Newman. It's a pretty sweet slightly meandering number which reminds me a little bit of all things must pass have been thinking of you and the long years we move through to be friends at the Understanding 
The sessions for the album were very spread out, as Elton commented, being slotted in around tour commitments. To be specific, the band played 55 more gigs in the UK and the USA, roughly accounting for September, October and November of 72. And then in 73 they played 30 gigs, mostly in the UK, but some in Italy during February, March and April 73. Goodbye Elbert Robe was recorded in May, and Loving and Free was recorded in June. The tone of Davies' album is very laid back, it's soft folk pop with the emphasis on the pop. Davies' Cambrian lilt adds a smooth edge to the recordings, which could maybe do with a bit of roughening up at times. Smiling Face came out as the second release on Rocket after the Long Dancer album. Elton said, this album is like finding a buried box of treasure. Like the majority of releases on Rocket, it didn't do well, but it does have a very special place in the hearts of Elton John fans all over the world. I want to personally thank Davey for all of his hard work with the band over the years. There'll be other shows that I'll do in the future that will capture the quality of his work with the band over the different eras that he was involved. No one has been as adaptable and as affable as Davey over the years. His ability to bring colour to the music and to organise musicians is, I think, unmatched in the music business. He's proved an ability to be whoever Elton needed him to be over the years. The session technician in 1971, the jack of all trades who could spontaneously breathe life into the music in 1972, the emerging rock god in 73 and then becoming one head of a dual-headed rock monster in 1975. Back to being the sole guitarist again in 1983, taking on the role of musical director in 1989. His role has evolved and he's always been able to match it, always doing it with style, originality and staggering technical proficiency. His next live challenge to coordinate the musical side of the farewell tour is with him now. I think he's going to be up to the challenge. Smiling Face closes with a montage of traditional tunes entitled A Lark in the Morning with Mrs. McLeod. A Lark in the Morning actually featured on the Fife Reavers album as well. There's no better way to end this musical biography than to listen to Davy bringing this treasured music of his to a wider audience in 1973. 